0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft... The Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires and the sideline, Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Down, Khalil Mack! Welcome to the Chicago Overreaction Podcast. I mean, the Chicago Shuffle Podcast with your host, Zach Lee, here on an early Monday morning. I'll be really honest with you, Uh, look, things being what they are in the world and uh, the state of things in America and abroad, I was not prepared for a move from 10 a.m. Pacific time to 1.30 Pacific time, and uh, yeah, I did not get to see the game live, so rather than try to appear in the afternoon on Sunday and wax eloquent about a game I hadn't even seen, It's bad enough that I'm just a fan, and I'm not a beat writer sitting in the room knowing every single person's motives and aspirations, but uh, it didn't feel very honest to sit back and let you know how I thought the game went when all I'd seen was highlights. So here it is. It's Monday morning. I'm going through this game, and I have to be honest. It's a dark place to be. So, here we are, the Chicago Overreaction podcast. And I just sort of I'm I'm on I'm on both sides of the fence today. One side is that the Indianapolis Colts have a really good defense and it seems like DeForest Buckner is doing for that defense what Khalil Mack did to the 2018 Bears coming over and really being the straw that stirs the drink. And that's buoyed by a couple different statistics. So I was looking uh, just this morning at the other results of other teams that have played the Colts' defense so far, and it is um, it is not a uh, list of world beaters. It's the Jaguars, the Vikings, the Jets, and the Bears. So it's no great surprise that the Colts are 3-1, and one, and it even feels like how the hell did they lose to the Jaguars? Might it might have been one of those week one things where, like, you know, the Saints would lose to a really bad Buccaneers team in week one and then go 14 and 2 or 13 and 3. So, just kind of looking at the overall statistical results of the team, uh, they're really not giving up much on defense. So, let's see on defense, totally just total yards. We'll just go total yards first. Jaguars, 241 total yards. Vikings, 175 yards. Jets 260 and the Bears 269 so hey hey of all of them uh, the Bears have performed the best now uh, you and I both know that that's not the case and that there's a lot of garbage time hackery going on to choose those numbers the Bears got absolutely swallowed by the uh, Colts defense And yeah, it's really disheartening for a number of reasons. One, an L, but then you go, hey, this team is three and one, and they could very well be 0 and four. So can't feel too bad about that. Two, all right, Nick Foles wasn't the answer necessarily. And this didn't make the team feel like, okay, we can uh, string together some drives and have some success on third down and in the red zone. And even though there won't be maybe necessarily as many special throws. Uh, not that Trubisky was making a lot of those, but you know, just the idea being a better chase Daniel, a guy that knew where to go with the ball and when to go there with the ball and that they could, you know, string together a couple of drives and put some points on the board and it just didn't happen. Uh, and it's just super disheartening and so familiar as a bears fan to be, to pine for the backup quarterback and then to have him go in and look pretty good and say, Hey, okay, if this guy goes in, then maybe we'll be okay. And then as soon as he gets a start and is game planned for, uh, maybe we have no quarterbacks. I don't know if I actually feel that way. in fact, I I would love to see a couple more games, not for the Bears' ability to game plan and get more used to having Nick Foles behind center, but because, again, Colts, really good on defense, and uh, Frank Reich, having worked with Nick Foles left, right, and center, kind of knew what sort of throws he really likes and was able to game plan appropriately for him and was able to look behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, So I think that was a really well-prepared team. Now, here's the bummer, and here's where I've kind of landed big picture, which is, fuck, we are just in this place again where um, we're in purgatory. And it begs the question... Again, as we overreact to can Matt Nagy coach an offensive team? Is the Bears offensive numbers just over his, you know, tenure is bad. Uh, they're one of the worst rushing teams in football. And if he was a defensive coach and it was about putting together the right staff and trying to figure things out, I would say, all right, you know, but like the the morale is high and he seems to manage the team well and seems to be a good guy in the community and defensively there's a lot of good things to point to, but he's an offensive guru. That's supposed to be who he is, is a guy who could develop a quarterback and run a premier modern NFL offense. And despite the fact that a lot of the formations are good and there's a lot of good play design out there in terms of play calling, in terms of putting guys in positions on the field, and in terms of points on the board, which is where this really uh, starts and ends, you got to kind of say, not that good. And then you have to go up the ladder one further and you have to say, Ryan Pace, responsible for free agent signings such as Mike Glennon, responsible for uh, draft picks such as Mitch Trubisky. I don't know if you've heard about that. And by the way, really got to change the intro music to the Chicago Overreaction podcast as drafting Mitch Trubisky second overall doesn't feel like the best soundbite for a team that no longer employs him as their starting quarterback now and into the future. And is also responsible for the hiring of Matt Nagy, who, um, again, I think there's a lot of reasons to like what he's done, If you look at wins and losses so far, there's no argument really for firing the guy. And yet, this does feel like more of the same, where the Bears seem to be constantly searching for answers and saying, almost like in a Bernie Sanders-esque sort of way, this is not a political podcast, just in terms of the tenor of, hey, here's a problem and it's an outrage and it can't happen, dot, dot, dot. No solutions, no changes next week, no plugging of leaks, just sort of a constancy of searching for answers for problems that anybody with two eyes can identify. So let's get back to the game for a second. It's hard to have a strong takeaway from this other than against a good team, the Bears are really going to struggle. And I, for one, I'm buoyed by the fact that this may be the best defense the Bears face all year. It seems very clear that the Colts are one of the better teams in football. And yet, if you're 3-0, and like, that's the measuring stick. And again, the Bears are playing at home. I'm sure the home fans would have changed the situation a little bit. But, okay, neutral field. Neutral field that you know better and you didn't have to travel to. None of this is good enough. And it begins and ends with the run game. Uh, there's, there's no question that the Colts can uh, stop the run really, really well. So the Bears immediately become one-dimensional. And when they do, I mean, Foles is uh, missing guys you know, on the field. There are open passes that he's not able to convert. There are third downs. I think they were four for 14 on third down as a team, which is extremely not good enough. David Montgomery, 10 carries for 27 yards. That's not good enough. Uh, special plays with Cordero Patterson on a third and one getting stuffed. I hate the play call. I hate the personnel grouping. I hate the result. Uh, David Montgomery is shifty enough to find a yard. Cordero Patterson is a guy that uh, if you get him up to full speed, look the hell out. But in terms of being shifty enough to find a yard in the hole, I just can't agree with that. It reminds me of Jason McKee fullback fullback stuff runs on – third and one in the Lovey era. Why? Why? It's just such an obvious thing. If Use it as subterfuge. Uh, I hope you're getting good film on it so that you can play things off of that in the future, but that's definitely not it. Uh, also, some disorganization uh, on the Bears, uh, both offensively and defensively. And let's put the offense on Nagy, and we'll save the defensive conversation in regards to Chuck Pagano, how his group is playing, and I think it's time to start taking a critical look at his ability as a coordinator we'll get to that on offense really sloppy blocking missed blocks a lot of 2019 missed blocks early in the game middle of the game late in the game and that falls at the feet of the players trying to execute it but also uh Nagy and his offensive staff, there's just a lot of stuff where you look at it and you go, this is not the way a winning football team plays. And so, you know, one of the things I do when I take a step back after the game is over is look at every Bears beat writer, what they're tweeting, look at national reporters that are watching the game, what they're tweeting. The Bears beat is, um, it's just, it really reflects the feelings of the fan base, which is just this Scroll of frustration and uh, lamenting missed blocks, um, pointing out situations where the Bears need to get better, making uh, glib remarks over things that were supposed to happen uh, this week that didn't happen last week and pointing out that they're not happening again. It just seemed they seem like a frustrated writing base. I don't know, Say enough about the fan base and how ridiculous we can all be. If the beat writer has seen this frustrated, mm, I think you might be into something. And yet, I don't want to overreact necessarily because uh, of what I've said from the beginning, which is maybe this is that the Colts are really, really good, and the Bears aren't really, really bad. Maybe they're just one of those good-bad teams or bad-good teams. We didn't talk about the Bears as some sort of contender it was much more about okay they're 3 and 0 but could be 0 and 3 do they secretly suck i think it's more of a middling thing and they're going to be uh maybe because of the results of the first few games a 10 and 6 team is the hope 9 and 7 might be possible and sneaking in at that last wild card spot and i think you know be it kevin clark saying so on his podcast the nfl podcast which i really enjoy um, <laughs> bill simmons still is been off the Bears bandwagon understandably but weirdly on the Detroit Lions bandwagon which I would assume he's going to jump off of this week Uh, that's a bad football team too and a poorly coached one as well but uh yeah I think the Bears are like a nine and seven ten and six team and they're fortunate to be three and one here at the quarter poll let's talk about defense for a second before we do let's read a little bit of advertising you've counted on restaurants now they're counting on you And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Those are our favorite national restaurants. God, America, do better. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on the first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your It's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Okay, we're back. The Chicago Bears defense. And I suppose we should talk about the special teams a little bit down the line as well. But the defense, Chuck Pagano's defense. Now, My opinion is that he's got just as much to work with, maybe even a little bit more arguments to be made than Fangio did in 2018. It does not feel like this is necessarily a well-coached football team on the defensive side of the football. The individual efforts are tremendous, but... um, be it the way that they're lined up or just the execution on the field, the playmaking execution, which I I attribute to coaching and sort of like a team-wide mentality, it doesn't look very good. Now, is that a Khalil Mack dropped interception? I don't know. Is it a Roquan Smith not getting his feet down? I'm not sure about that. Overall, I sense a couple different things. One, the gap integrity, uh, on, on the especially in the run game, is for shit. Uh, the Bears are getting gashed left, right, and center. And what should be plugged up at this point it seems to be getting worse. Uh, I don't know about coaching emphasis as much as uh, the overall nature of the scheme. One of the things I noticed about Fangio's scheme was that, was that it was relatively simple and that everybody's jobs and roles were well-declared. And now you're seeing uh, a little more razzle-dazzle, so to speak, and much less, hey, this is the way we play and we're going to dictate to offenses that this is the way we're going to play. We're going to bend but not break and we're going to allow our playmakers the opportunity to beat your guys and stay uh, stay integral to the scheme. Now, there's a lot more moving around. There are some blitzes. There are just things schematically that lead me to believe that Chuck Pagano may not be Uh, I think we all knew this, but may not be as good of a defensive coach as uh, Vic Fangio was. And also that he doesn't necessarily have the total trust of the defensive uh, squad. I think that Jalen Johnson is a really good cornerback going forward, but it's becoming clearer and clearer now that you might be able to pick on him deep. And teams are starting to do that. It's, it's abundantly clear that you can run on the Bears. Um, and if you look at the, the the Colts' rushing stats, it's no great shakes, but it's a ton of attempts. It's 38 carries for 103 yards. Now, that's a 2.7 average. I think the biggest thing is that they did enough rushing to keep uh, the Bears honest and to keep uh, Phillip Rivers from being under fire the entire game. They didn't do any great shakes. It's 19 points. Overall, you'd say, you know what, defensively they were able to hold up their end of the bargain. It's just the overall nature of what we expect from what was supposed to be an excellent defense and now is a good to occasionally very good defense. There's certainly not the ability to dictate to teams, and being able to be gashed in the run game means you're staying on the field longer, means the um, the time of possession is going to be longer and puts more pressure on the defensive team you know overall like I think that really really matters especially late in the games yeah 32 minutes to 27 minutes uh, overall uh, possession in the favor of the Colts nine passing first downs five rushing first downs the Bears by the way two rushing first downs and still zero rushing touchdowns on the year it's a massive problem it's a massive problem and I don't think there's any way to scheme out of it at this point the Bears kind of have the offense that they do, and the hope is that they play, you know, either lesser or depleted defenses down the stretch and are able to change things a little bit. I think these numbers are going to be goosed by that last, you know, drive where the Colts were in pre because if you look overall at the the team-wide stats, they're really not that different, right? 289 yards for the Colts, 269 for the Bears, 11 total drives for each, 4.2 yards per play for the Colts, 4.6 for the Bears, you cannot look at that and say, well, this, these are pretty two, two pretty evenly matched teams. It wasn't really a contest from the jump. It was out of hand, and it was only a, a, a very familiar late garbage time touchdown that allowed the Bears to even seem to be in the same neighborhood. Am I overreacting to this? I don't feel like I am. I feel like, okay, the Bears are exposed against better teams. And I think uh, they should try to beat up on the teams that are lesser that the, that are going to be coming up on the schedule, and hold on tight against the better teams. And I think coming up this Thursday night, we're going to have a Thursdayer mm, against Tampa Bay. I the feeling isn't very good now. Tampa Bay has a ton of injury issues, and that may change what happens in this game, but. Immediately against better teams, I, my feeling is, uh, boy, these, this is going to be a long season. So the Buccaneers this Thursday night, and the Bears are at home uh, Thursday nights are weird, and the Bucks have a ton of injuries to their uh, playmakers. I think Godwin, hamstring injury, likely out, especially with a quick turnaround. Mike Evans seemed to be off the field, left, right, and center uh, with myriad injuries, but was able to kind of gut out the game. O.J. Howard just went down with an Achilles injury for the year. So you're talking about Cameron Brait, who I really like, and uh, Rob Gronkowski, whatever he's got left in their uh, in their tight end group. Who's to say? By the way, the Buccaneers have a f- fantastic defensive uh, squad, maybe on the level of uh, the Colts, especially when it comes to run defense. So the Bears have another week of real issues trying to run the ball being made one-dimensional and having everything fall on Nick Foles shoulders again and that's a really tough thing to do when you're trying to ask a premier backup which is what Foles is to win the game we'll see if they're able to make the adjustments from this week to next week but uh it doesn't feel very you know it doesn't feel very good I would say at this point asking the Bears to win in a one-dimensional fashion Going forward on the schedule, they play the Panthers. The Panthers uh, somehow beat Arizona this week. Is Arizona a bad team? Are the Pan- Panthers better than we thought? Maybe it's a little bit of both, but um, you'd feel a little better about that. But then immediately turn around and you've got the Rams. The Rams are a very good team. The way this feels right now, you'd have to call that a loss. And then they immediately go, to, they go home, but they play New Orleans. Yikes, Uh, New Orleans has a very good defense, and you're asking a lot of the Bears there. Then the Titans, it remains to be seen if the Titans are allowed to play, who those players are. What a weird COVID year, you guys. Oh, and I said you guys. Hate you guys. But that's a difficult game. Then you go the Vikings. Okay, the Vikings are struggling in a similar way to the Bears. I'd call that a coin flipper at this point. Then you've got the Packers, Aaron Rodgers has the Bears number you have to think that the Packers are highly favored in that game especially given the quality of their offensive line how they're playing so far this year their ability to run the ball Aaron Jones's march towards 1500 yards on the ground then you've got uh, the Lions I think we can both you know honestly say that that's uh, a coin flip kind of game we'll call it like that and then the Texans, the Texans, Texans are hot garbage so far this year. They are 0-4. I'd say the Bears have a good chance in that game. The Vikings again. The Jaguars, which, you know, at this point we can agree they're bottom feeders, and that would be a really horrible loss for the Bears, were that to come to pass, and then the Packers to finish the season. So I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more games where the Bears are you know, should, should rightfully be seen as contenders for those games. And you'd like to think that they can pull them out. And then one, two, three, four. I'm missing one for five games where you go, ugh, this already feels slanted going into the game. So uh, not a good look. Let's take a quick commercial break and talk, talk about how much of this is overreaction and how much is realistic kind of going forward. (laughs) The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, although you might, but you can still be in on, in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all these great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Big picture stuff now about the Bears kind of going forward. So they're three and one. Uh, the Packers are three and zero. The Seahawks are four and zero. The Buccaneers are three and one. So actually, this becomes a pretty critical matchup for the Bears uh, going on to Thursday night because the Saints are two and two, and they're going to be ascendant, I believe. I think over the course of the season, you have the Rams at three and one. You have the Cardinals at two and two. You have the Forty Nine ers at two and two. There's going to be a lot of competition for those last uh, wild card spots. So let's let's just kind of be fair about this right now and say the Packers win the North. Uh, I don't like saying that. In fact, I hate saying that, but it feels pretty much uh, negligent on my part to suggest anything otherwise. So let's say Packers win the North. Then you have uh, the Seahawks winning the West right now, but there's a lot of good teams in the West, all four teams in the West. You'd like to think that one if not two wildcard spots are going to come out of there. So Seahawks at 4-0 and right now, Rams right behind them at 3-1. and feels like a really strong squad, uh, really a, a big rebound from what happened to them last year, especially on their offensive line. And then you've got the Cardinals and the 49ers both at 2-2, two and two, and tons of injuries for the 49ers. Uh, the Cardinals don't quite seem to be ready to compete, but they're going to be in tons of games this year, and if things break right for them, they might have a decent record transition to the NFC South, you've got the Buccaneers at three and one and then like I said, the Saints at two and two, the Panthers are two and two but I I think especially given that Christian McCaffrey isn't going to be in uh, and then the nature of their schedule going forward, they might fall down over time, but much pluckier than we gave them credit for. And then uh, lastly leastly, the NFC East where the Philadelphia Eagles at one, two and one lead the east. Cowboys are one and three. The Washington No Names are one and three, and the New York Giants are zero oh and four. So not a lot of concern there. So let's line it up. Somebody is going to win the garbage NFC East. Let's call it the Eagles. I suppose the Cowboys could find a way into the mix, but I'm not going to put any money on that. And I'd like to think Homer Homer Zach would like to think that between the Cowboys and the Bears over the course of the season that the Bears can find a way to have a better record. They're 3-1. and one. The Cowboys are 1-3. and three. They got quite the head start. So even if the Cowboys put it together a little bit, they should be in a similar-ish place by the end of the season. So let's say Eagles or Cowboys win the NFC East. Whoever doesn't uh, falls down to the point of not being in the wild card mix. So there's one playoff spot. Packers win the NFC North. There's two playoff spots. NFC South is between the Buccaneers and the Saints for a playoff spot. Uh, so there's three. And let's give a wild card to the other one because I think their squads are strong enough. So that's one, two, three, four wild card spots. Then you have the NFC West, and here's where it gets dicey, folks. The Seahawks, 4-0. Russ is on a tremendous run. It looks like he's going to be uh, pushing that team towards the division title, if not a bye, uh, the single by this season, even though they've got tons of issues on the defensive end. So we'll say that's four playoff spots. Oh, sorry, excuse me, five. So we have two left, right? There's going to be uh, a sixth and seventh team this year based on the new rules. Hope I'm following all this, right? Cause there's a single by, and then there's going to be six teams that compete from there. So then you have six and seven. So we have two slots left and the teams that'll be competing for those two slots if you're being kind about it is the Rams who have to be seen as a favorite for one of those spots, if not taking over the NFC West in general. And then you have the Arizona Cardinals at two and two, the San Francisco 49ers at two and two, the Dallas Cowboys at one and three. I know I just shoved them aside, but like let's give them a shot. The bears at three and one, and then you have the Detroit Lions and Minnesota Vikings at 1-3. And, three, and I, I can't count them out, but 1-3 is not a death knell at this point. So that is a shitload of, co- of competition for the last wild card spot. And I'm not trying to come about this from a negative point of view. I think the Bears have an opportunity here, given what their record is, especially the way they've played so far this year, to capitalize and find their way into the playoff mix. It's just going to be tough sledding if what we saw on Sunday against better teams is the way they're going to perform. So all that leads to Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And let's just kind of look up. You can even hear me click, click uh, what happened to the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on on Sunday because they've got a lot of stuff that's an issue. First of all, going into the game – against a depleted uh, los angeles chargers defense leonard fournette didn't play with an ankle injury chris godwin out with a hamstring injury scotty miller played but was questionable uh jason pierre paul you know was nicked up with a knee they've got their issues and then you have the fact that they incurred even more injuries uh in the game it's uh I hate that I'm looking at other teams injuries in order to wonder if the bears have enough to win. I only mention it in this context that on a short week on a quick turnaround guys that might be 50 50 and would be game time decisions will be out this week. It's almost like a mini buy. Okay. Let's give these guys a chance to get healthy. And if we lose this one, that's how it's going to be. And so my expectation is that we're going to see a uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that is missing Mike Evans, is missing Chris Godwin, is definitely missing OJ Howard. And so you're going to their weapons will be down to a nicked up Scotty Miller, a um old Rob Gronkowski, but still Rob Gronkowski, he's a Hall of Fame player. Uh Cameron Brait, who I just want to confirm that he's in and good and you know, uh playing well this year because I haven't really heard his name a whole lot. So let's just take a look while we kind of talk this over. Yeah, uh, he's done shit and Shinola so far this year. Hasn't really been featured in the offense, including uh, on Sunday, uh, despite the fact that they've lost players um, over the course of the season and the game. So I wonder what's going on with that, because I've seen him in previous years and thought that's that's actually a pretty good player. And then the rest of their uh, wide receiver depth, not great. Tyler Johnson, Jadon Don Mickens could be making that up. I, I feel like that's a, a real guy. I, I, I don't know, but um, yeah, n- not, not particularly uh, imposing. And so really it's going to be about Tom Brady. It's going to be about their run game. And can the bears get pressure on Brady who uh, I was having this conversation with a friend the other night in terms of who in the NFL, if your NFL rankings were who least wants to be put in the, in harm's way. Who is the most contact-diverse player in the NFL? It's Tom Brady, and it's not particularly close for number two, although Kirk Cousins seems to be giving it a run for its money. it's It's Tom terrific. And if the Bears can get pressure on Brady, if they can find a way to collect enough yards in the run game against a really stout, really, really stout Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, defensive front, Vita Vea, who I kind of made fun of from a draft pick uh, standpoint, usually don't pick a nose tackle early in the first round, especially given the other talent that was around there. He's fantastic. And then White, the linebacker, and Levante, just really, really stout up front. So if the Bears can do enough offensively in the run game to stay from being entirely one-dimensional, there are yards to be collected in the secondary, There's enough there for you to squint your eyes and look at and go, okay, the Bears are going to get a little more used to having Nick Foles behind center. Here are the plays that weren't working. Here's what we need to clean up in the run game. And then maybe just the understanding that, look, if we're going to be a competitive team this year, we can't have missed blocks. We can't have holding penalties. We can't have people taking off their helmets in the middle of the game and getting penalized. There's no margin for error in that regard. And so what had been this kernel of thought that there wasn't enough of a margin of error under Mitch Trubisky in order for the team to succeed on the long term, and now there's a little bit of an increased margin because Nick Foles won't make those same mistakes and will put the offense in a position to win given him killing plays in the right place, reading the defense correctly, putting the ball where it needs to be put. Maybe that was a little bit of an overreach. I still believe that the Bears have a little bit larger margin for error, but if uh, a ball is going to bounce off Anthony Miller's hands and and be a pick in the red zone, uh, by the way, both Miller and Foles are, are at fault for that play. It's not one or the other. It's both of them. Place a better ball. Catch a ball that hits your hands. Whatever. Make a play. That's just kind of the long and short of it. If the Bears can't run the ball effectively, if Charles Leno is going to get eaten up on the left side of the line, it doesn't really matter what we think. The Bears aren't going to be good enough. So this is definitely going to be one of those fuck you, we're good, or never mind, we suck sort of games. And I'll be here on reaction on Friday to say, oh, it's a Thursday night game. What can we take away? It's so early in the season with COVID and this and that and the other thing. There's a lot of ways to explain it away. But the rubber is very near the road at this point. We're at the quarter pole. The Bears are very fortunate to be three and one. I think we can all agree that 0-4 is just as much in the realm of possibility for what the record could be. And they have this advantageous position, but they're just as flawed as they were before. They're this purgatorious nine and seven, eight and eight, seven and nine team, given the way that they play week to week, which is highly inconsistent and uh, rife with real holes that um, don't portend a lot of goodness down the line. The Bears need to be able to stop the run and then pin their ears back and rush the passer. And so to circle way back to Chuck Pagano, who I intended to talk about a long time ago, the Bears' run fits suck. And I I saw a lot of great things from – uh, Roquan Smith, for the first time this season, he seemed to be electrified on the field. I want more of that, and he, him almost making a play on the interception was fantastic, but I need more of it in run fits. I need to see the uh, opposing team, whoever it may be. In this case, it's going to be the Bucks, who have some question marks as in terms of uh, a run team. If the Bears can do enough to discourage them from running and change their game script to make Brady make plays, I have... Uh, some hope that between Mac and Hicks pushing the, the pocket and let's see Robert Quinn, could he please come to a game and show us a little bit more and be the threat that he needs to be given the, the bucks that the Bears paid out uh, for him in the free agent market. I want to see Tom Brady dumping the ball into the line on third downs and just saying, there was a guy right in my face, live to play another day. I want to see repeatedly that the bears have shut down the run game and are making Tom hang in the pocket, which he does not want to do. If that's to happen, if the bears can put them in those uh, situations and, uh, are able to run the ball enough to stay honest, that really feels like the game right there, which team can make the other team one dimensional first and shift the script of the team's plan going in. If the bears can do that, I have at least some faith at this point, boy, uh, a little bit negative after this game, not going to lie, that the Bears can hang in and compete with a team like Tampa Bay that has a Hall of Fame quarterback, a lot of talented pieces, a good coaching staff, and a stout defense that doesn't get enough credit. We'll see. It, it's, it's really uh, at the point now where if this team begins the season with this sort of an advantageous position and slides uh, as time goes along, that it will come to the point at the end of the season where – Whatever the record may be, it's time to revisit big questions of how this team and roster are managed overall, who the coaching staff is. We keep shifting parts. And I want to say this just as a Cubs fan who watched their team shit out of the playoffs for, you know, the the umpteenth time since 2016. And I understand 2016, five-year grace period from winning a championship, one of the best moments of my life, my sports life, shit, my life. It was one of the best moments of my life, but watching the offense break uh, in 2017, watching them slide worse and worse and continue to expect change from the same things, you do see these similarities for the Bears where, hey, okay, we didn't uh, score the kind of points we want to, but we're expecting development to change that. Or this guy popped, you know, for this period of time, we can, we think he's turned the corner. We can expect that going forward to, um, you know, uh, the Bears shifting coaches and the the Cubs shifting coaches. I thought Chili Davis was a goddamned awful hitting coach, and I didn't realize that, no, it was just that the Cubs didn't really have good hitters once Major League Baseball made an adjustment towards all these launch angle guys and started uh, pitching high strikes in the zone that the the Cubs never made the adjustment on. Likewise, the Bears uh, haven't made an adjustment from their initial – RPO-based looks that uh, Nagy brought in that worked for half a season, and they've just been searching for answers ever since. So, yeah, we're going to invite that, especially given that we played this week against Chris Ballard and the Colts. Ballard has shown himself to be a wonderful drafter of talent and was the favorite for the job in uh, in Chicago before Ryan Pace stole the show with his wonderful haircut and his very sound plan for what the Bears needed to be. Yeah, It kind of goes all the way up the ladder pretty quickly here. And that's just the nature of being frustrated by a single loss, but also a track record of middling results, of question marks in terms of execution and play, uh, and no clear and easy answers for who's at fault. And when that happens, it goes all the way to the top for the way that the roster is managed, for the overall vision for how things are done, and the people putting people in place to make the company run the right way. And that's just kind of what we're looking at at this point. So to say the stakes are high for Thursday, not just for playoff positioning, but for the way the Bears are run, for what the future is going forward, and how they need to have a sober look at uh, the way the whole operation is is put together, that's kind of what the stakes are. And this is what we did last year as things cratered in 2019 and they couldn't run the ball. Excuses, excuses, big changes. Um, if it were to get to the end of the season and the Bears fart out, of the playoffs, expanded playoffs with uh, an advantageous record you know, at this point of the season, you'd have to say it's time to take a good, long look at the way the whole team is put together. I really hope it doesn't get to that. I'm going to turn around here and say that uh, the Buccaneers, again, in the situation they're in, the Bears should be able and should be expected to be able to hang in there and make it a competitive game, put some points up on the board before garbage time, and uh, make the Buccaneers earn it, because I think we've seen, uh, I think it was the Chargers were up 24-7 to on them early in the game with a rookie quarterback. They gave up 31 points to the Chargers, and uh, it's a rookie quarterback. Like, I don't care how good he looks. He looks really good, but 31 points are 31 points. And let's just take a quick look before we sign off here of who – the Buccaneers have played, and what their results are so far. So it's the Saints, the Panthers, the Broncos, and the Chargers. The Panthers and the Broncos feel like the ones that we should be looking at here. So defensively, they gave up 427 yards to the Panthers, which, holy shit, and then 226 to the Broncos, which feels much more in line with what that team was. Um, And then the Chargers, whatever you may think of them, It's, what's the total, 324 yards, and then the Saints, 271. So like that's a good defense, but you can see that the Panthers found a way to put some uh, points on the board, 340 through the air, 87 on the ground. These are all very middling results and kind of murky when it comes to trying to find trends so far this season, but it's not like they're this shutdown defense that the Colts seem clearly to be. Uh, I did take a look at you know what they've done so far, and yeah, 241 yards, 175, 260, 269. So, while the Buccaneers are a good defense, and you know should be looked at in such a way, I don't think they're as good as the Colts. And uh, certainly, given what's going to be talked about at Hallis Hall this week and what it'll take to get the team untracked, my expectation is better results. But uh, hang on tight, guys, because this is going to be a tough one. Speaking of tough ones, tough ones today. Bears lose nineteen to eleven. Foles really wasn't able to get it done. Never was able to get the team untracked, and you gotta hope that that changes in just a couple days' time. So quick turnaround for them, for us. Uh, gotta dump this one out and find a way to be positive going into Thursday. I look forward to shouting horrible words halfway through the first quarter, but until then, this is the Chicago over at the Chicago Shuffle podcast saying thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care, guys.